we do that, I want to remind you of what I always say is the success of what happens here tonight is dependent on what? It's dependent not on how, how great Steve is at teaching or how funny he is. Or really, the whole thing depends on whether you want to hear from God or not. If you want to hear from God, you're going to hear from him. If you don't want to hear from him, you're not going to hear from him. So some of you guys are like, I don't know. I don't even know what that means. That's okay. Just, just do, do you want to hear from the creator of the universe? The answer is yes. We all do. And so if you do, good things are going to happen tonight. And I'm excited. I'm really excited about what's going to happen tonight. So let's pray and ask him to speak to us. Father God, would you speak to us tonight in a way that we can understand? Would you change our lives because we've met here together? And would you not allow any person to be here um, and checking out? Would you examine our hearts and our minds? Teach us. Would you help me to get past myself and that I hear your voice too, Lord? We want to know you. We want to know you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, guys, this is kind of, I didn't know we were doing two parts of, of this Think this teaching because I thought we were going to do it last week. Actually, Mr. Matt has uh, Bibles for anybody that doesn't have a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, you're going to be lost. It's going to be hard to do a Bible study without a Bible. So get a Bible from here if you need one. But if you don't have one, then, then we'll buy you one, okay? Uh, as long as you promise to use it. So bring your Bibles. It'll help you a lot when we're doing this Bible study. So last week, guys, last week we talked. I asked you guys a question. I said, who's, you know, if, you, if somebody were to ask you who God is or what God is, somebody who'd never known, they had no concept of God, and it's hard for you guys to imagine there's people like that, but actually somebody here last week, after we finished the merge, somebody asked me, well, what do you mean by Jesus? That's a great question, and I said, um, what do you mean by that question? He said, well, who's Jesus? There was somebody here last week, who's here again tonight, who didn't know the answer to that question. That's, I was so glad they asked, but if they, if they asked you that question, if they asked you that, who, what's God? How would you respond? And to help you guys understand what that question was like and how hard that question is to answer, I asked uh, some of you guys to explain some different things. I asked Sudanshu to explain jackfruit, right? Was it Sudanshu who explained jackfruit? Okay. Sudanshu explained jackfruit last week. And Yuta explained takoyaki. And Timothy, where's Timothy? Explained his invisible friend. And after those explanations, nobody felt like, who, who had an experienced takoyaki or jackfruit or Timothy's invisible friend had any idea what those things were like. So we're going to, so as we, as we move forward in this, this whole thing, idea of who's God, what's God, uh, we're going to do something a little bit similar tonight, but we're going to do it a little, a little bit differently. And this is what I want to ask you guys to do. We're going to, the people who are new here tonight, we're actually going to use you because you don't know everybody here, okay? So... So here's what we want you, you new people to do. We're going to have, we're going we're gonna to have some, we're going to have these people describe or try to explain one of the people in this room to you, okay? Okay? And you're going to, and by the time they explain it, I want to see if you guys feel like you know who that is, okay? Okay, it can't be me. That's not fair. Okay, so who, who do you guys, so um, who do you guys want to want to explain? Who's, who's, on the couch, we already told. Okay, but don't look at her. Hey, if you look at her, all the, new the newbies are going to know who we're talking about, right? Okay, so it can't be on because I'll just look at her. And plus, I introduced her as a new person. So, so who is a, a not a new person? Who is not a new person that you guys want to describe that would be easy to describe? 
Okay, don't point because then they're going to know who you're talking about. Who? Party Josh. Party Josh. Where, where's Party Josh? Okay, Party Josh. Oh. I just disobeyed my own rules. What a hypocrite I am. Sorry, Party Josh. We were just about to describe you. Okay, it can't be Party Josh. Ah. Oh. Ah. Oh. Okay. So it can't be Party Josh. Okay, who do you guys want to do? Everett. Everett. Okay. It's, okay. 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 Don't look at him. Whatever you do, because they don't know who you're talking about, okay? Okay. So we need you guys to loudly to explore where everybody can hear you since you don't have the microphone. We need some of you guys to explain, like if they'd never met Everett before, and you're telling some girl, like, you got to meet this guy because he could be, you know, something like that. So tell us what you got. Tell, try, to exp- try to describe Everett. He's a dolphin. That doesn't help at all, Nick. That doesn't help us at all. Okay. That's, that, that's almost as good as how you guys describe God sometimes. Okay. He's a what? He's a great friend, though. Okay. Good. Okay. Okay. What else do you guys tell about him? He's a movie buff. Okay. Tell us some more about him. Come on, guys. He's got luscious hair. Luscious hair. Nice. Okay. I don't know. If, okay. Huh? Awesome dance moves. You guys should have seen him at Joe and Keanu's wedding. Okay. What? He makes turkey sandwiches. What? What? He's spunky. Yes, he is. Okay, what else? Huh? What? I, I don't know what he said, and I don't think I want to know. Okay. Oh, what else, guys? Okay, I just missed the metro part, so. Okay. Okay. He drives a purple verb. Okay, okay, yes, okay. He sees, he's seen services. Okay, look at all you new people. Raise your hand if you're new. You guys aren't even, yes, listen. You guys can't be here and use our electricity if you don't participate, okay? So if you're, I'm serious, I'm serious. This is not, this is not a public building. So raise your hand if you're new. And, and yeah, if, if we embarrass you, so what? Okay, and Timothy is not new. Okay. Okay, do you guys who are new understand who it is we're talking about? Okay, guys, you haven't been very explanatory. Would you guys please explain Everett a little better? Blonde. Oh, he's blonde. That's right. Thank you. Okay, he's blonde. Okay, that eliminates. Huh? He's white. Yeah, he's white. That's right. Don't look at him, guys. Okay, what else? You guys sound like a bunch of chickens. Okay. <laughs> what is it? Scruffy beard. Yeah, a little more scruffy than Tobias. He's white. We already said he's white. He's still white. Don't be racist. Huh? Blue eyes. Okay, blue eyes. Okay, you do people understand who he is? Okay, forget it. It's this guy right here. Okay, now you guys know who we're talking about. Were their explanations any good at all? Yeah. Kind of. Here's the problem. You guys come along, you're like, okay, we're going to tell the world about the love of God. And people are like, 
what's God? And you're like, you know, you know, he like he likes people. <laughs> okay, so we want to talk about who God is, and you know, I, I appreciated what Anna Chan said. She got up here and she she said she she described God. Did you hear what she said about God? Did anybody catch that? He's really super big and awesome, and he loves you. It's like, okay, that's a pretty good um, description. But, but here's, here's where we're going with this, guys. Throughout human history, humans have known in the back of their minds that there is something more than the natural realm that we live in. They knew there was a God. They might not have called him God. They called him different things, and they might have explained him in different ways, and they made up different kinds of stories about what he was like. And because of the work of the devil in humanity, People develop different ways that they would that they could earn their way to God. Well, as you know, most of those those ideas of how to get to God were wrong. And I want to start in Acts 17. If you guys look in Acts 17, so open your Bibles. Again, if you don't have a Bible, I'll buy you one. If you do have a Bible, then bring it on Thursday nights. So Acts 17, 22. Um, Paul, this is a, a, an account, again by Dr. Luke. We, studied, we finished the, the Gospel of Luke a few weeks back, but this is an account by Dr. Luke of, of Paul in the city of Athens. You guys heard of Athens, right? Okay. So he's in the city of Athens, and Paul stands up in the Areopagus, this place that's like, kind, of, kind of like what, what the front of the library is over here, the, the free speech area kind of. And he stands up in the Areopagus, in verse, we're in verse 22, okay? Acts 17, verse 22. Paul then stood up in the, in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. And uh, you guys just remember that just being religious doesn't mean being good and doesn't, it's not equal to being spiritual. These are people who are, are practicing all kinds of strange religions, but Paul at least starts to on their level. And he's like, hey guys, you guys are religious because as I was walking around and checking out your cool city, I carefully looked at some of the objects of worship. I even found an altar with this inscription. You guys know what an altar is, right? What's an altar? So where you put your offerings, right? So where you, where, you, where you make your offerings to God. So I even found an altar in your city with this inscription. The inscription said, to an unknown God. In other words, the, the Athenians were so, they, they were so religious that, that they had all these different gods. And they're like, well, just in case we missed one, here we go. To the God that nobody's quite sure who it is. And Paul takes this, and he, he's smart. And obviously the Holy Spirit is working here. And Paul says to them, he says, now what you guys worship as something unknown, I'm going to proclaim to you. In other words, they're worshiping. They've got an altar saying, we don't know what, who this God is, but we're going to worship him anyway. And Paul says, I'm going to tell you guys who this is. And then he tells them, and look at how Paul described, Paul does a better describe, job of describing God as you guys, than you guys did of describing Everett. But this is what he says about God. He says, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. And does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made up every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. Okay, guys, did you guys catch that? He gave a bunch of descriptions about what God is like. So what's the first one? 
the God who made the world and, not just the world, but everything. I mean, everything all from, from one side of the universe to the other side of the universe, all of it made by God. So that's, a, that's, that's one description of what God's like. Now, that doesn't tell us everything, but that all that exists exists because of him. Okay, second thing that he tells us. That's, that's, that's right. There's one more thing before that even. He, said, he says that he's the Lord of, not only did he make the, the universe, but he's the Lord of the universe. He's the master of the universe. He's the boss. He's the guy who, who all this is from and all this is for. Okay, and the third thing that Annika said is he doesn't live in temples made by human hands. In other words, there's like temple after temple after temple after temple. And, he's, and, and then they got this one altar to this unknown God. And he's like, let me tell you about this God. This God, he doesn't live in, in all these temples that you made. Like, like a temple could contain him or like he needed a little house. And this is what, this is what a lot of these t- t- temple makers thought was like, well, we got a little God and he needs a little house. So let's make a little house for our little God. In fact, I've been in p- parts of the world where every house has a, has a little house for the little God. Seriously. So, so Paul's saying, look, the God of the universe, he made everything. You think he needs you to build him a little house? He don't need your little house. He doesn't need anything from you, by the way. And he doesn't, the, the little offering that you put on the altar every morning, he doesn't need it. And by the way, he doesn't even need your money. In fact, he doesn't even need you, but he wants you. That's good news. But he doesn't need anything. He's self-sufficient. So what else do we find out about God, according to what Paul says? Okay, there's something right before that. Okay, that's right. He, he gives breath, and, and he gives to, to all people breath and life and everything else. I like the way that you said that, that he satisfies everything. Not only does he give us everything, but every, every longing of your heart can cannot be satisfied by anything except him. There's no way. About all the things that you're trying for, all, all your degrees and all your money and all your relationships and all the cool cars and all the cool houses will not satisfy, satisfy you. Everything comes from him, and he's the only one that can satisfy. That's good news. So if you got him, you got everything. That's Psalm 23, right? If the Lord is my shepherd, I don't need anything. That's a paraphrase, but that's what it means. What a relief. So what are you guys trying so hard to get all that other stuff for? You just got to try, try for him, and if you get him, you get all that other stuff. Guaranteed. What, it's, it's a relieving thing, and you can't have peace if you don't know that. You can't experience the life that, it's, that, we're spo- that he made us live if you don't know that. Okay, what else? Somebody said it over here. Somebody said it somewhere. What else do we learn about him? Okay. From one man, from one, from, from one person, really from one couple, he made every nation of humanity. All these different, all these different nation, nationalities out there, they came from the humans that God created. And why did he do that? Here's, here's we find out a little bit about the heart of God from what it says next. Why, why did he do that? So that they should inhabit the whole earth, his plan. What did God want? That these people that he made, the, all these different nationalities, would be all over the earth. Why is that? Why would he want that? And he determined, we learned something else. He determined the time set for them. You know what? You know why you're alive? In, you know why you're going to college in 2018? Because God's got a plan for you. In 2018, that 
is specific for you. He's got something for you to do. He determined that you'd be alive at this time. What an exciting thing. Okay? And he also, he determined where these people groups would live. He's like, okay, they're over there, they're there, they're there, they're there, because I've got a plan. There's a plan to, to do something with all these ethnicities. And now he tells us, Paul tells us why he did this. Look at verse 27. God did this. Okay, now we're going to find out why God did this. Like, why, why did God make all these funny-looking people? Okay? Um, God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Why did he do, th- why did he do this like he did it? Because he's got a plan that all people would seek him. And if they seek him, they'd find him because he's right here. He's not far away. He's not far away, and then he quote, Paul quotes one, uh, one of their songwriters. Who, he, he knows one of their songs where it says, for in, in him we live and move and have our being. And some of your own songwriters, poets, have said we're his offspring. Okay, here's what I want you guys to do. If you got your own Bible, underline the first few words in, in verse 27. God did this. God did this. Underline it. God did this, and then... Maybe you write on the, in the side or in the notes if you're taking notes, which you guys should be because you're not going to remember everything you say. Write, why did he do this? God did this. Why? Why did he do it? And we just, we just read the answer. He did it so that people would seek him. God's intention. Guys, I want you guys to get this. God's intention in making humans was so that he, the God of this universe, being above nature, being above what is material, being above what is physical, super physical, supernatural, super uh, above nature, he would have humans who, with a, a, a participation with them, he would, wor- he would be able to work in this material world. I mean, think about this, guys. God is immaterial, right? How does God work in this material world? Through, through, I mean... Can, Think about it this way. If, if, if God, there's all kinds of things that's, that God wants to happen in Arlington, Texas, today and tomorrow. All kinds of things. I mean, and if, if just for example, if God wants, if God wants the, okay, the flooring. We're getting, it looks like we're getting new flooring in here tomorrow, right? Okay, so we got new flooring in here tomorrow. Does God want new flooring at the cornerstone or is that just Luke's idea? Okay, here, here, you know. Like, is that the will? Of, you know, let's seek out the will of God regarding the, our floor. It's not that big of a deal, but I think God wants us to have a new fl- floor at the cornerstone because too many people have put their f- foot through the floor, and we don't want anybody to get hurt. So this is, this is God's will. Here's, here's what I want you guys to think. If God wants new floor at the cornerstone, and the flooring is up in North Dallas that, we, that Luke found for a whole lot cheaper than he'd find anywhere else, then how does God get how does God get the flooring from North Dallas to the cornerstone and get the floor changed? Yeah, Luke, everybody points out, everybody, he wants Luke to do it. That's right. He wants, <laughs> you got the job, man. Here's what I want you guys to understand. If God wants something done, there's two ways that he can do it. First, he can do the zapping way, right? Zap! The floor is done. Beautiful, hardwood floor. And how often does God do that? Don't you wish, don't you wish that God would just do it that way? Why? Because it's easy. Because it's, yeah, I want it now. It's like, you guys all dreamed of genies, right? 
Like, I wish I had a God like a genie where I could just rub the bottle and he came out and he said, what do you want me to do? And like, I want a new floor. Poof, it's there. But you, but you guys, that's not what God does. I mean, has anybody seen God do that? If you have seen God work at that level, it was because all other options were exhausted. Because God's plan for his work in this world is that him being spirit would get physical things done by living in physical bodies like yours. That's his plan. And that you would not be able to function the way that he wants you to function without his spirit in you. And that's part of the reason why some of you guys aren't functioning very well. Because his spirit needs to be in you in order for you to, to be able to do the things that he's called you to do. Just like, I mean, you, some of you guys got really cool computers but bad software. Right? I mean, the computer doesn't work without the good software. Some of you got cool cars but no money for gas. <laughs> right? I know what that's like. I, I had bad cars with no money for gas back when I was your age. But, but some of you have cool cars with no money for gas. But the car, no matter how cool it looks, doesn't work if you don't got the gas in it. Right? Is that not right? I mean, some of you guys are really cool bodies. But imagine you didn't have oxygen. I mean, your body, no matter how cool your body looks without the oxygen, it doesn't work. Right? Okay. God's design, God's plan is that these people that he created would only, would only function the way that they're supposed to function if they have his spirit living in them. And that the way that he'd get his work done, because he got all kinds of things that he wants to do on this planet, that the, the way that he would get his work done on this planet would be through people. Through people. Now, sometimes that's people doing what they can do with his spirit in them, or sometimes it's through people asking him to do something that there is no possible way that human could do it. Either way, it's through people, right? I'm thinking, this is, so sometimes he gets his will done by us working. Sometimes he gets his will done by us praying in cases where we can't do anything about it. But when we can do something about it, his method is you do something about it. Does that make sense? That's what God's design is. And so if that was God's plan in the beginning, he makes these humans and he breathes his spirit in them. Genesis, guys, look at this. Genesis 2-7. Genesis 2-7, the Lord God, that's who we're talking about, this creator, this creator God formed the man from the dust of the ground. That means from matter. He takes matter. He takes, he takes material things. He forms this man and breathes into him, into his nostrils, the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Now, here's what I want you guys to think about. It doesn't say that about any of the animals. The animals breathe too, right? God makes the animals. They breathe. But it doesn't say the same thing about the animals. So I think there's something more here than just, he's talk than just oxygen. What he's talking about is he's breathing into them. His self, his, his spirit, the breath of God living in people. And they're going to function, and they're, they're, he, he puts them in this paradise of Eden. And from that spot, from that garden of Eden, he plans that humanity would take over the world. That's his plan. That's his plan. And you guys know what the story is. That the, the, we all, as part of Adam, we all rebel. We turn against him. We rebel against him, the author of life. We're like, no, we don't need your life, thanks. And we choose on our own to try to live by ourselves, and so from the, from the very dawn of human history, 
humans who were made to function with his spirit in them, just like your computer was made to function with software, from the very beginning, we gave it up. We took out of us, we, get, we, we ripped away from us the very thing that it was going to take us to live. And so what happened is time goes on, time goes on, time goes on. People forget who God was. They don't know who God is. They're separated from God. Now fast forward to Genesis 12. God hasn't given up. God's got a plan for humanity to be restored to what he originally intended. For the humans to be empowered by his spirit in them. And nobody is at this point. People are living for themselves, misunderstanding who God is, knowing that there's some God out there, but having all kinds of false ideas about who he is, using idols to try to, to, try to paint pictures of what he is. And so he, in the middle of all that, he calls this guy. He calls a guy named Abram, Abraham later. He calls him out of Mesopotamia, out of Ur. That's what we were talking about yesterday, Mustafa, right? Back where Mustafa's from. And he calls him, and he says, look, I'm going to take you, and I'm going to do something with you. So let's read what he says to Abram. Hey, guys, there's some seats up here if you want. It's probably cooler up here, too. So in Genesis 12, guys, this key chapter, this is where, where God is, is starting a new chapter. Genesis 12, the Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. What's God's motivation here, guys? Huh? Okay. Yeah, he's not, he's not just trying to ruin poor Abraham's life or his poor wife. He's got a plan. He's, he's going to tell us what it is. Guys, you guys understand? God's got motivation. God doesn't do things for no reason. He's got a motivation to this. He's saying, like, get out of Iraq, and I'm going to take you somewhere. So he takes him over to Canaan, to what is modern-day Israel. And this, then this is what he says. He promises him this. Verse 2. So you guys open your Bibles, chapter 12, verse 2 of Genesis. This is what he tells him. He's like, hey, Abram, you're going to leave your country, your, your household, and go to the land I'll show you. And this is what I'm going to do. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And that's where so many people stop. What's God's motivation in blessing Abraham? Why does God want to bless Abraham? Say it again. To make, but why does he want to make him a great nation? That's right. So read the second part of verse 3. So that all the people on earth will be blessed because of you. You guys catch this? Why does God bless Abraham? Thank you. So all the people on earth, including Josh Palacios, will be blessed. Praise God. So if God blessed Abraham so all the people on earth could be blessed, then why did God bless you? I'm working hard to keep your attention. Why did God bless you? Thank you. So the, all the people on earth, why did God bless America? God bless. Okay. Yeah. What? Why? Dude, you're a you just come and preach, man. Okay. The reason that God blessed Abraham is the same reason that God blessed you, the same reason that God has blessed America. It's not because the, the people, because Abraham was so good. It's not because you're so good. It's not because America's so good. Do you understand? Even though some of you think it, that I mean, America is good and you're good. But you're not good enough. That's not why God blessed you. God blessed you so that you could be a blessing to, all, to the world. If you don't get that, you're going to misunderstand what the Bible's all about. Okay? So the story goes on. Fast forward. Abraham goes to Canaan, to modern-day Israel. Then he, you guys know the story. He has a son in his old age, Isaac. 
Isaac has a son. He has a bunch. Uh, he has a son named um, um, Jacob. Jacob has a bunch of sons. How many sons? Twelve sons. He has twelve sons, and one of those sons isn't liked by his brothers very much. He's sent down to Egypt. He goes to Egypt, and and because of famine in the land, the whole bunch of them, seventy or so people, moved down to Egypt, and they're there for how long? For about 400 years, and then a guy named Moses is born. And by this time, 400 years, think about, think about what they've lost in 400 years. I mean, they is, is the, is, are there Jews? Are there, is there a Jewish religion at this point? I mean, there's really not. God had called Abraham, but they don't know anything about God. But understand what God's plan is. God's plan is this whole thing was to reveal himself to the people of the world. But the people that he's called to reveal him to the people of the world, they don't, know what's, they don't even know him yet. And so there's this guy that God works it out in his amazing wisdom that this guy named Moses would be one of the Jewish people, one of the descendants of that guy Abraham that we just talked about, and that he'd grow up in the household of the most powerful guy in the world at the time, in Pharaoh's home, because he's got a plan for Moses. And Moses and the Israelites, they don't know about God. But in spite of their not knowing about God, in spite of Moses not knowing about God, God's doing something in his heart. God's doing something in his heart. It given him a sense of right and wrong, a sense of freedom and equality and justice, so that as he gets older and he starts to realize that he's really not from the, the ruling class family, that he's a part of those peasant slaves, he realizes that's not right. And so what does he do? He takes matter in his own hands, and when he sees one of the slave masters beaten, one of the Israelites, he goes and kills the guy, right? And the plan of God for Moses to set the people free is postponed about 40 years. How old is Moses when he kills the guy? He's about 40 years old. So he, now he's, now he's an, a fugitive. He's an outlaw. So he runs, and he, go, he, cro he crosses over to Midian, really probably south Saudi Arabia area. And he, he goes to work for his father-in-law. He meets a nice Midianite girl and gets married, and he now becomes a shepherd. And he mellows out. And prior to this, you know, Josephus tells us of the wars that Moses had fought as, as a, in, in southern Egypt against um, the, the, the king of the south. And what happens now is he's, he becomes a mellow guy. You know, he's getting old. He's got his sheep. He's got his family. And then one day, what happens? Okay. Okay, you guys remember. So let's look at this. Guys, we're going somewhere with this. And um, let's look at Exodus 3. So Exodus 3, verse 1. Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within, the, within a bush. There's a bush there, and God appears to him. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. And Moses is like, well, that's kind of weird. I'll go over and check it out. So why this bush doesn't burn up? So when the Lord saw that he had come over to look, God called him, called him from within the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses is like, wow, this bush not only doesn't burn up, it actually talks. And Moses says, here I am. And God says, don't come any closer. Now, why does God say that? Is it, is, 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 does he not like Moses or what? 
because God is holy. I mean, there, he, he, God, we're going to talk a little, a little about this more in a second, but God is like, don't come any closer. I want you, I want you at a safe distance. Not because God's afraid for himself. He's afraid for Moses. Don't come any closer, God says, and take off your shoes for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Of course, you people that grew up in America don't understand why you take off your shoes, but where, you know, in Japan, you don't, you don't wear your shoes in somebody's house because you, you treat that as holy. That's a sacred spot. You take your shoes off as a, as a matter of respect. So he's like, this is a sacred spot. You better take your shoes off, Moses. And Moses is smart enough to obey. Then God said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And do you think Moses knows who Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are? Maybe. I mean, I don't know. I mean, he grows up in Pharaoh's court. How, you know, how does he know? Maybe he's heard these names. It's kind of like you might have heard of uh, who? What? Paul Revere. You guys know who Paul Revere? I mean, it's like what, you know, except that's even longer ago. Okay. Okay, so yeah, it's like maybe he's heard these names, but he really doesn't. He doesn't know who the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is. And at this, but he realizes he's speaking to deity. And so he hides, he's like, he hides his face. He bows. He hides his face because he's afraid to look at God. Smart thing. He doesn't know the Lord. He knows that there's gods out there, but he doesn't know God. He knows God about as good as the people that you guys explained Everett to understand Everett. They don't know Everett. They heard a few things about him. In verse 7, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. They're slaves, right? I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their sufferings. So I have come down to rescue them from the land of Egypt and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Mosquito Bites, and Jebusites. <laughs> and now the cry of the... No, 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 no mosquitoes there, sorry. And now the cry... I'll just see if you guys are awake. Okay, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So, uh, underline this. So now go, Moses. So now go. Some of you guys need to hear this from the Lord. These are the words of the Lord. So now go. There's, a, there's people out there who are being oppressed. What are you guys going to do about it? Go. Go set them free, okay? I'm sending you to Moses, the powerful, uh, most powerful man on earth, and I'm sending you against him to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Once again, how does God accomplish his purposes on earth? I mean, Moses is like, why don't you do it, right? God, if you want those people free, why don't you do it? You're, the, you're more powerful than me. But the way that God uses, the, the way that God accomplished his purposes on earth back then and the way that God accomplishes his purpose on earth to get the floor down here at the cornerstone or to get an orphanage built in India or what we're doing in Japan this summer is by a person. His spirit in people doing his work. But Moses doesn't understand that. So Moses is like, Moses says to God, who am I? I mean, what, you, you, want to say, you, want, you want me to go back to Pharaoh and set the people free? I don't have any right to do that. And God said, verse 12, I will be with you. Whatever excuse you guys got for not doing what God's calling you to do, God is saying, I'll be with you. Do you believe that or not? His promise is he'll be with you. And in a, in a greater way than what Moses experienced, the Holy Spirit of God can be in you to accomplish his purposes. I'll be with you, and this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship on this mountain. In other words, after you guys, if you go to those people, you're going to bring them back here, 
and I'll give you your next assignment. Moses said to God, well, what if the Israelites don't listen to me? The God of your, what, if, what if they said the God of your father is, when I said to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask, what's his name? It's like, God sent me to you. Like, which God? What should I tell him? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. That is what you're to say to the Israelites. The I am has sent me to you. I am what? I am what? What does that I mean? What, what, what does that mean? God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, which comes from the same root word as I am, that God, the God of your fathers, your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he has sent me to you. This is what you're supposed to tell Moses. That, this is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. Okay, guys, you guys catch what God's name is? His name, he says, is I am who I am. But here's the deal. Let's see, who, are, who is one of our new people tonight? Okay, Annika. You guys, you know, Annika, you guys are starting to get to know Annika, right? Does anybody know what Annika means? No. Okay. Okay, she does. Does anybody know what her last name is? I don't know. What's your last name? Marcaccio. Everybody say Marcaccio. How fun. That's too fun. Okay. Here's the deal. God gives his name right here. He says, I am who I am. But really what God's doing is he's given He's given a hint of his name. And understand, guys, when we talk about a name, I mean, you know what Mark Chio means? Nobody knows what Mark Chio means. You guys know what Steve means? I mean, you know, whatever the case is. You guys, don't, we, we don't, when we think about names, we don't have the same connotation as the Israelites, as the Jewish people did. As a, as a, the idea of a name in the Bible was identity. What, what Moses is asking God, when I, what, what is, who are you? Not just what's your name, but I mean, when somebody asks me my name, they're asking me, what, I answer by saying Steve. But that didn't reveal my identity. What Moses is asking God here is about his identity. And God gives the first part of who he is. But the, he doesn't finish the sentence until a couple of years later. A couple of years later, he gives his the, 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 the second part of his name. But so what happens here at this point is Moses goes back to Egypt. He obeys God. He sets the people free. You know, all the plagues. Somebody mentioned about the frogs this morning. Or not this morning, but this evening. Um, frogs and other stuff. And sets the people free. They cross the Red Sea. Remember the parting of the Red Sea. They go through the Red Sea. They come back to this mountain. They're back at that mountain. God gives them the Ten Commandments, right? And while Moses is on the mountain, get the Ten Commandments, what do the people do? They're like, Moses has been gone a long time, and we need a God that we can worship, so let's make a golden calf. So they make a golden calf, and God kills. How many people get killed because of the, their disobedience with the golden calf? 3,000 people die. 3,000 people die. Moses comes down from the mountain, and now here's where we're going to end. We're gonna, let's look at, Ezek, at, at I'm sorry, Exodus 33, verse 7. So look at Exodus 33, and obviously we're going to have part three of this thing too because I'm so excited about what I'm learning. So, Exodus 33, verse 7. Craziness has happened. 3,000 people have died. And the camp is set up. They've got about, about something like a million and a half to two million Jewish people living out of the wilderness next to Mount Horeb. And now in verse 7, Exodus 33, verse 7, listen to this. 
Now, Moses used to pitch a tent. He used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away. And he called it, he gave this name, the Tent of Meeting. Now, this isn't the tabernacle, okay? You guys know what tabernacle is, right? Tabernacle hasn't been established yet. This is just a tent. This is a simple tent. And Moses used to meet with God in this tent. Now, here's, here's what I want to ask you guys. Why is the tent outside the camp? Why? Why is it outside the camp? A safe distance. Safe distance for who? Okay, but later when the tabernacle is built, that's right in the center of the camp. Right smack in the middle of the camp. So why is this camp outside? The, why is this tent outside the camp? You know why? Because ministry is really, really busy. And there's lots of people in the camp. This is Moses' quiet time spot. <laughs> this is where Moses goes to be alone with God. So here's my question for you guys. If Moses needed a place to get away from the camp and be, be with God so he could meet with God, where's your tent of meeting? You guys need a tent of meeting. If you think that you can do the kinds of things that God's calling you to do without time with the Lord, it's not going to work. And you notice, he gets out, out of the camp so that he can be alone with God. And look at what else it says. It says, anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside of the camp. Anyone inquiring of the Lord did what? They went to that place so they could get an answer from God. You guys, are you guys inquiring of the Lord? Then where's your tent of meeting? And don't have to be a tent. Don't have to be a physical tent. This is why we've got a prayer room here. But if, the, if, the, if, your, if your only spot where you meet with God is in our prayer room or in the coffee shop here or at church and study, you're missing out on what God's calling you to do. Moses' success in Doing what he did was because he met with God. And look at verse 8. And whenever Moses went out of the tent, all the people rose and stood up at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. You guys get this? So they're like, oh, there he goes again. It's kind of like Gandalf, right? And he's like walking out there. And he's like, check it out. So he's going out there, and he goes in the tent. And Moses, went in, as, as Moses went in the tent, look what happens. Moses goes in the tent each time, and the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance Well, the Lord spoke with Moses. Wow. And whenever the people saw the pillar, the pillar of cloud standing at, whenever, and whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, what did they do? They all stood up and worshiped, each at his own tent. Here's what I want you guys to get. When Moses went into the presence of the Lord, there were some things that happened. What's well, the first thing that happened? God showed up. Exactly. Thank you. Who said that? Thanks, Thomas. When, when, when Moses got into God's presence, when God, Moses went to meet with God, God went to meet with Moses. James 4, it says, come near to God and God will come near to you. You guys want to get close to God? Yeah. It's like, God, would you please come and follow me around all day? You guys know what, the way we feel. It's like, I got a busy schedule, so just come on, God, and, and help me with all the things that I'm doing. And God is saying, hey, I, gotta, I need a place where you and I can be intimate with each other, where we can meet. Okay, second thing. What else happened? You guys see this? When Moses goes to meet God in intimacy, what do the, what the, what the other people do? They worship. You guys got to stop thinking about how to convince the world about there's a God. It's just, if you worship 
Not, I'm not talking just singing right here. I'm talking your life, your whole life, an expression of worship. You know what's going to happen to all the people over there that are watching you? They stand up and worship too. That's the inevitable result of people watching you in a life of worship is they're going to come face to face with God and either they're going to they're shove him away or they're going to embrace him. And you don't have to convince them. They need an experience with God because you're convincing them sounds like you guys are trying to explain Everett. Right? I mean, you guys, you guys weren't convinced at all about who, the, who, who he was. And, the, and when a person experiences Everett, they're like, man, this is the real thing. When a person experiences God, they know for sure. So, guys, what does a meeting with God look like? I mean, what was, what was Moses doing in that tent? I'm like, can we just get some video of that? I mean, why, no, why no iPhones back then? I, I, just, I just wish we could have a glimpse into that. But here's, here's what we are told, guys. What, is it, what are we told about how, how, what the meeting with God was like? The meetings with God were like. What does it tell us? Face to face. Okay, guys, and I think, I, th- I, th- if it, I think what you got to understand here is this is like heart to heart. This is like friendship to friendship. Um, we're going to find out later, a little bit later that no, God says nobody can see my face and live. So this, this means intimacy. That's what this is talking about. Face to face, friendship, friend to friend. So you want to know what this meeting is like in the tent? How do you, how do you talk with your friends? Face to face. But what, what, what is it like when you talk? I mean, what, what this looks like in there. We don't have any description other than it's like a couple of friends talking. Moses talking to God like a friend. When was the last time you talked to God like a friend? I hope it was at least maybe two or three minutes ago. I hope you've been praying in here. If you're not praying here, it's going to be hard to get you guys to pray outside. I hope just as, as we're talking, as I'm teaching the Bible, as I'm talking to people, I'm just, it's like, there's just, my, my life is just prayer. Just, Jesus, what about this? What about that? How about this? Holy Spirit, can you guide me here? That's what talking like a friend is like. You, you've been with your friend. I mean, you guys, how many guys live in Ohana? Don't tell. We might get kicked out. Um, okay. We got a bunch of guys living in Ohana. As they're doing their stuff, they're just talking, right? They're talking. Maybe, they, maybe sometimes they're not talking like they care about each other, but sometimes they are. You guys know what it's like when you're with your friend. It's like you just share your heart. Share your heart with guys, with God, guys. Share your heart with him. That's the invitation. And what what happens here, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna continue through this next week because there's some things about God's identity, about God's name that we're going to learn next week that I hope are going to change the way you think about him and motivate you to live a life of holy devotion. So, guys, we're out of time. Let's stand up. Let's pray. Father, would it be that every person in this room would know where their tent meeting is, the place where they're going to meet with you? And would it be on our schedule? And would it be regular, habitual meeting with you as the most important thing in our life? And Lord, we, I, just, I know that that's what you made us for. You made us to do things that we can't do without your spirit. And so I'm asking you, Lord, tonight, would you impart your spirit to us? And guys, uh, you know what? We don't, we don't do, I don't usually do an altar call here because we don't have a lot of room. But, but you, would, would you just raise your hand? If you're saying, I want more of God's spirit in my life. Okay. Okay. 
Lord Jesus, we're, we're just raising our hands. All of us are just saying, we want more of you. And whatever we had up to this point is not enough. And I'm saying that, Lord. I confess that I need you more today than I did yesterday, and I'm going to need you more tomorrow than I did today. And I don't have what it takes. I don't have what it takes to lead this community of people. I don't have what it takes to lead my family. I don't have what it takes to do the work in Japan this summer and in the Philippines and at Grace Community Church without you. And so I'm just saying more of you, Jesus, more of you, more of you, more of you in this place, more of you in our coffee shop, more of you in our small groups, more of you in our student discipleship houses, more of you in every meeting that we have, even tomorrow night as we, as we celebrate you with ice cream at my barn. Lord, we just want more of you there. We don't want to have a party without you. We're inviting you to the party. And we're inviting you to more than a party. We're inviting you to be a part of our lives all day long, every day. We dedicate ourselves, our, our lives to you, the f- our futures to you, every day for the rest of our lives. Help us, oh God, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, guys, here's